This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. I'm really thrilled to be here because I was fortunate enough to meet Stacy, my guest. Welcome, Stacy. Um, hey. Hey. It's just great to have you here. I was fortunate enough to meet Stacy during kind of a, a mutual contact at a marketing conference, and almost immediately we sort of hit it off because Stacy's work is just profound and life changing. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit of your bio, Stacy, because I think it's it's the best way to kind of introduce you to everyone in my audience. But uh, Stacy Martino believes that it only takes one partner to transform any relationship. And you're absolutely passionate about empowering people with a relationship education that nobody ever teaches us. And Stacey, you and your husband, Paul, you founded relationshipdevelopment.org, creators of Relationship You, and it's really for personal development on your relationship. And so you do all sorts of online coaching, strategic um, partnership programs. You've helped tens of thousands of people around the world transform their love relationship. And I think that's just amazing. You've been trained and certified by Tony Robbins, who I went to see Tony last November. It was life-changing. It was absolutely incredible. Um, You're a certified marriage educator and divorce preventionist, which I think is just an awesome title. And of course, international best-selling author, sought-after relationship expert, and passionate and engaging speaker. Um, And Stacey, so we met about, I'd say it was like, six or eight months ago now. And Mm -hmm. uh, it was just such a, I think, fortunate meeting because your work and my work, we just couldn't stop talking about how they intersected. Yes. (laughs) And it doesn't sound intuitive right at the beginning because it's kind of like, okay, Annie, you're helping people either quit or cut back on their drinking. And Stacey, you're helping people really save or have the best marriages they can. But you want to just talk a little bit about why these topics are so intertwined? Uh, Yeah, it was like a spark as soon as we met and discovered what each of us did, because immediately I'm like, Annie, my people need you. (laughs) And the more we talked, the more we found out how much synergy there was, not just in our our topics, um, because we both serve uh, people who are in relationships and have families and This is a marriage topic as much as it is anything else, but also in our methodologies, right? Because here you are with this amazing revolutionary process to help people um, shift how they relate to drinking. And a lot of it is about patterns and, and satisfying needs through other ways. And we basically use a similar personal development type of approach um, to how people show up in their marriage and how they interact with their partner, meaning undoing the invisible um, default patterns that get us into a situation that we don't want and strategically showing up following proven patterns that really work to get us the results that we do want. There's so much synergy in how we do that. And so we were just like a million miles a minute. We couldn't get enough chat time in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so, one of the things that you can comment on and why I wanted to have you on the podcast is because I feel like your wisdom is so important for my readers and my listeners. One of the things that happens when somebody decides to change their drinking 
is that often that's such a deep internal decision. It's made from such a personal place that even if you have the closest marriage in the world, it's very rare that I get a letter from a husband and wife who have decided to quit together. And I'm like, awesome, good for you. But, But that's the very rare thing. More often, even if the husband's been like, come on, you really need to do something about this. And then the wife changes or vice versa. The person who changes is then it disrupts the marriage. Like no matter what. And it's funny because you think, oh, it's such a positive change. It's even a change that often the spouse has been wanting and, you know, hoping for, but it completely seems to disrupt the rhythm. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's so deep. It it doesn't matter. I, I know this specifically applies for sure to drinking. But honestly, I've seen this across the board with any big change, a big change in how I'm going to eat every single day, a big change in my fitness regime or even my morning ritual regime or, um, you know, a big change in what I'm going to do working or staying at home or anytime, um, you know, one partner makes a big change, it directly impacts the other partner. Now, this is a good thing and a bad thing. It's a great thing because when you strategically follow what we teach, for instance, we teach relationship development, which is one person learns the tools and strategies that we teach and one person shows up differently in their marriage and the other person shifts because the other person can't not shift when one person makes a change, which you've just beautifully (laughs) given us an example of. Um, And it can be a negative if you don't know how to strategically shift the changes that you make kind of put a disruption in the in the wheel that your partner is used to following. Meaning, even if your partner has been on you saying like, I wish you would, you know, not drink and I wish you would cut back and I wish you could be more present or whatever they're saying, the minute you make a big change, you're shifting the pattern that they're used to, that's predictable, that they almost run on autopilot with you every day like, I know if I say this, she's going to think that. And I know then if I do this, I can expect him to say that. And we have so much of this autopilot going on in our marriages. You know how to push the buttons of your partner and they know how to push yours. Sometimes I'll prove it to you. Sometimes you don't even say what's on your mind because you're like, oh, I know what he's going to say about that. Why are you even bother? I'm not even going to say it. Right. So we have so much predictable, invisible patterns that the minute you change one, it's going to take your partner some catching up to do at best to figure out what's the new pattern. So when we do that without strategic planning, what we're doing is we're just saying, I'm just changing this. And then it's like, like the partner's struggling to catch up with, how do I, how do I do this? What do I do next? And without strategic direction, Sometimes it's too much change for people. Sometimes they didn't see it coming. They didn't understand how this was really going to impact their day. And there are things that are unspoken that really need to be said. And we don't have the tools to do that because nobody ever really taught us how to do that. And so what we teach people how to do in relationship is if you're going to make a big change like that, or if you're going to bring the passion back to your marriage, or if you're going to start to improve your marriage, it's what strategy to put in place to be able to prepare your partner, to be able to have alignment conversations around designing how we're going to approach things in a new way and teaching you what your partner's needs are, 
how your previous way of showing up and your previous vehicles were meeting those needs and how to be able to still meet those needs in better, more positive ways for them without just taking away how they were getting that need met because you've made a big change. And a lot of this comes back to we enter into marriage with a whole lot of invisible assumptions that we're just going to see things the same way and it's going to work out because we fell in love. Like we fell in love, so we're going to parent the same way. We fell in love, we're going to see money the same way. And if you've been married or in a relationship for more than six minutes, you know that is a big fat lie, right? Because we just don't. And so it's about strategically learning how to create your relationship by design instead of ending up in a relationship by default with all these invisible assumptions and invisible expectations, never really saying what needs to be said because nobody gave us the tools to do this. And that's what we empower people to do. And that's why it's so perfectly aligned because so often, and I teach this because I, after working with Tony for two plus decades now, one of the things I saw most often was people would come out of the three-day or four-day live immersion event like you went to, and they'd be like, I'm on fire, like I'm the best version of myself ever. And then they'd come down, which is a positive change. They'd come back to their regular life and the people in their regular life would be like, whoa now. I wasn't ready for you to be all whatever you are. And one of two things happens. Either the person who had this major change and breakthrough would be like, hey, screw you. I've never been so happy in my life. I'm not giving up my change for anyone. You can take a hike. Or they'd be like, oh, I'm not pleasing the people in my life. I, I need to back up and go back to a little bit more of how I was so that I'm more pleasing to them. And they would lose their change. Well, both of those outcomes kind of stink. And so what we help people do is to navigate the third choice, which is you transform, but learn how to relate to others in your world to be able to not have a negative impact on them as you become your best and most authentic self, but instead actually inspire them and bring more positivity to their world without triggering the negative. And so often we have no way, we're like, hey, if I do something positive, what would that trigger negative in anybody else? And why is that my problem? But the truth is it does. It's just a predictable dynamic. And we can set you up for success with great proven strategies that really work to help you get a better result instead of negatively triggering the people in your world who kind of think that you have a predictable way of showing up. And when you make a big change with that, it kind of sets them off. Does that make sense, Annie? Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And so, you know, I think the Tony Robbins example is a, is a really good one for drinking because people get done with my program or they've read my book and they're on fire. You know, they've seen the whole world has shifted. They've seen things in a completely different way for the first time in their life. Instead of seeing drinking less or stopping drinking as some sort of punishment, they see it as um, just this proud choice that they're super nice. stoked about and they're, you know, they're on fire. And, and, they want to talk about it. And so it's met with things that we didn't expect. So I know for me, when I first went through this change and I started telling some of my relationships, like just friends about it, and even my husband at that time, it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, okay, now I feel judged because you're kind of elevating yourself. You're holding yourself to this different standard. You're holding yourself Amen. up here. And right. yeah, so I feel judged. Or I even would be like, I started to realize I did both of the things you described. I, I'd go crazy with like the evangelism, so to speak, and then they'd feel judged and that wouldn't feel good. And then I went the other way where I was like, oh, well, it was just me. And, you know, I just had the, this uh, issue. Play or whatever. it small. Right. Play it small. And then I felt 
like I was really doing myself a disservice. And, um, and one of the things that I've really recommended people to do is just to go back into their life, but kind of be only really dig into talking about, you know, some of the changes specifically related to drinking when they're asked about it. And so that way, you know, if somebody is opening that door for you, you know, because how you show up becomes this really amazing beacon. You know, it wouldn't matter how many times I told my husband or I told my friends that, oh, life is so much better and I'm so much happier. Like they just couldn't believe it. But then all of a sudden, six months go by of me showing up to parties and just having a really good time with an iced tea in my hand. And all of a sudden people are like, okay, there's something here. And then they suddenly start to ask about it. Um, is that, I mean, that was just kind of with your expertise, Stacy. would you, you know, add anything to that or? Yeah, absolutely. You are on such a great track, Annie. I'm like on fire about this. So I'll teach you real quick, the tool that we created for this exact, this exact situation, because you've already described a big part of it, which is awesome. I'm so freaking excited. So we created this tool called right hand, left hand. So if you put out your two hands. It's like you have two groups of people in your life. In your right hand is your friends and family. They're the people who've known you the longest. They're the majority of people in your life. They're not necessarily on the personal development path or the personal improvement path. They're just you're the people in your friends group and your family group. In your left hand is what we refer to as your seventh power group. Those are the people you grow with. Those are the people that you pitch and catch with. Those are the people that when you've read a book, it's the first person you want to send it to. Those are the people that when you want to reach to your next level, they will pull you up the mountain. And those are the same people that if you're not moving fast enough towards your big goal, they'll kick you the rest of the way if they have to, to support you. That's your seventh power. Pain happens when you don't know who you're talking to and you mix up your roles because it's actually our personal responsibility to know who we're talking to and to show up in a way that serves them. So what we teach is similar to what you've said, if you're in, if you're talking to an in relationship with someone who's in your seventh power, then you can share about this amazing book that you've read and you can give them a copy and share what you're doing. And um, they're excited to learn more, right? They're a growth person. They, even if they're not necessarily growing with what you're into, maybe they're doing raw food smoothies or, or, or yoga or something else, a money thing. They're a personal growth and development kind of person. They're into hearing about those kinds of things. Now you can say and catch anything you want. Plus, they're the people who are going to validate you. So when you come off of this huge aha and you're like, I'm doing this and I'm excited, it's your seventh power person that's going to say, good for you. And I'm here to support you. And I'm so proud of you. Now, we have your friends and family group. They are not the people to go to for validation. Pain comes when you treat the people in your friends and family like they were your seventh power, right? You say, you evangelize, right? I say you vomit all of your stuff all over those people. And they're like, hey, well, I didn't, what are you talking about? What happens is they start to get defensive because they start to feel rejected, which is what you're um, speaking about so perfectly, is that when you start talking about what you're doing, they immediately start reflecting on, well, does she think that I have that problem? Or does she, is she implying that I need to do that? And immediately you get the defensive nature, like, you know, back off. I'm just fine with the way things are. And it's because we're treating our friends and family 
as if they're our seventh power. And the goal is when you're with your friends and family is to learn how to just give unconditional compassion to them. That's your role. For wherever they are on life's journey, which really has nothing to do with you, that's between them and the universe and however they're connected, that's their life journey and where they are on their path. And your goal when you're with your friends and family is to lead by example, which is what you were just sharing, and give unconditional compassion and support to wherever they are on their journey. And I'm sure with your eyes open, you can see plenty of opportunities for them to awaken, but that's not really your job. Because the truth is, I used to teach other coaches how to be a coach. And one of the things I always used to teach the brand new coaches is if you're offering advice and nobody's asked, that doesn't make you a great coach. It just makes you an asshole because no one really asked for your yeah. opinion. And so what we teach is it's not, you're not really helping someone have an awakening if you're offering something that they haven't raised their hand and said, hey, you know what? I need something. Because it doesn't actually go in. It just triggers defensiveness. But if you're leading by example and you're giving unconditional compassion to your friends and family, then when they hit their moment where they're in distress and they have to have a wake-up call, the first person they're going to think of is, you know what? I know Annie's been down this road and she's always so kind to me. She never judges me. She never spouts all her stuff all over me. I bet I could reach out to her and I bet she would talk to me. And then they know who to go to. And so just being really, really clear on your roles will decrease a ton of friction in your life by not continually trying to treat your friends and family like they're your seventh power. Now, if you don't have a big seventh power, you need to start building that. You don't get a seventh power just by being born. You get a set of friends and family group just by being born, but you have to create a seventh power. Like I've created with Annie. We strategically put time and energy and effort and intention into cultivating our relationship because we are seventh power for each other. And so if that's something that you're lacking, that's where you should put your focus. Make oh, sense? Oh, I love that. And it's, it's amazing. And I think that I see that, like, as you were talking, I could just see it because we have this community, the Naked Mind community, and it's both on and off Facebook. And there's probably, oh my gosh, like 25,000 people in there now. Right. And so you see people showing up for each other. They are pushing each other up the mountain. They are, you know, cheering each other on. It's absolutely amazing. And people are just coming together. And then you get these questions, but why doesn't my husband understand? But why don't my kids see the change? Well, you know, how how is it that I'm so certain I'm never going to, you know, do that thing to my children again, but they just don't trust me yet. And, um, I guess specific to that, Stacy, how do you earn trust back when it's been broken by, by your behavior? Awesome. So actually Paul and I just did a live event last week for our students. Um, and one of the sections that we taught, we did an entire segment on how to create trust in a relationship and we have this framework and I'd love to be able to teach it to you guys one day. Um, if I had an hour and a half, I could teach you the whole thing, but in a nutshell, I'm going to teach you um, the way to rebuild trust. See what happens is very often we make a change and immediately we think, okay, so everybody else in my life needs to get on board that I'm not like that anymore. I'm like this. However, usually the people in your lives, 
they have stacking going on behind you. Like they've had five years, 10 years, 20 years of experiencing you in a predictable pattern. And you can't squash that with one decision that you vocalize or even a good day of showing up or even a good week or even a good month of showing up. What happens is people have had experiences of you and very often those experiences of you have come with a heightened level of emotion. And so it's anchored deeply into their blueprint of who you are, because anything that happens to you when you're at a heightened level of emotion, boom, it goes deep into the blueprint that you walk around with. And so very often that creates a level of protection that people protect from you because their pain pleasure principle deep in their nervous system wiring is like, up being around Susie, pain, right? Be, and so protecting from Susie will help us not have more pain later. And so that's deep. And you have to do more than just like, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore <laughs> to overcome that. Even showing up for, for a little while. And so trust is actually something that's earned. And there are two pieces that really come together to create trust. Uh, the first is rapport. And the second is alignment. And so when you're in a relationship with someone, and um, as Paul has this amazing diagram, which is probably why I keep doing this, because it's a triangle, and trust is at the top of the triangle, and rapport and alignment are the two legs holding it up. Um, and he has a circle that goes around it, and he calls that like the trust bubble. And very often, people are trying to create trust with someone, but they're kind of banging on the outside of the bubble. You're not even in the circle with them. Like you're outside the circle of trust with that person because you violated their trust in the past. You've hurt them in the past. You've disappointed them. And you're kind of on the outside of that person's bubble. And so banging on the outside of someone's bubble to try to create rapport and gain alignment and build trust, it's a no-go. You can't just tell someone, hey, trust me. It doesn't work like that in the human world, especially if you've had a personal relationship with this person and they've had emotional experiences with you. And so the first step is always to start building rapport. Building rapport with that person is always step one. And it doesn't matter if it's your spouse, if it's your kid, if it's your folks, you got to start with step one and be willing to just build rapport. Rapport is just being able to build that relationship where you have some proximity to them and you're just building a feeling of goodwill about you. And here's the trick. It's so tough to do a lot of times in our relationships, but if you're going to build rapport with someone, it can't be with measuring and scorekeeping of what you're getting back. And this is the thing that takes so many people down in marriage, with kids, in all the relationships in your life, is that very often when someone goes to build rapport, they're like, and, like, and, and don't you want to say something to me now? Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's a, there's a catch because we've become such good measurers and scorekeepers. Like I did something here. You want to do something back? But rapport is only built when it's through giving. And when you do measuring and scorekeeping, you're not really giving to somebody. You're kind of trading. Um, and people can feel the weight of your expectation 10 miles away. That's not really creating rapport. That's kind of bartering with somebody. So if you really want to create rapport, it has to be about giving with no strings attached, literally just being willing to recultivate the soil of that relationship again so that it's rich, so something can grow. And once you have start to gain rapport with someone, then you can start to seek alignment.
Alignment is when you can get on the same page with someone and it might have nothing to do with drinking. It might have nothing to do with all the things you've talked about so many times, but just seeking other ways that you can align, ways that you can validate what they're doing, be interested in something that they're doing. Just find some commonalities to start to build alignment with that person. Because when you have rapport and when you can align, you start to build what is the magic piece at the top of that triangle, which is trust. And I, Paul puts it at the top of a triangle because that trust balances so delicately at the top point of that triangle on top of rapport and on top of alignment. And if you lose rapport or you lose alignment with someone, that trust just falls right off. And we've all experienced that in our lifetime. We just didn't maybe have the blueprint or the framework to understand how that's built. But trust is created over time. It's not something you can demand your way into. Yeah. And I think just like a perfect example, I had um, somebody write me recently and basically she had shown up for sort of yet another holiday and often, um, and it was with her stepchildren. And so she ended up being really stressed about this. And so while they were cooking, she ended up drinking too much wine and she was visibly drunk. She doesn't remember a lot of it because she blacked out. But it turned out that she got in a fight with one of her stepkids. Her husband had to drive her home. Her husband went back to the party without her. And she kind of slept it off or whatever. And, and she woke up, you know, the next day. And that was really kind of the moment where she said, okay, I'm done. Like, I'm not drinking anymore. And so fast forward a month. And she's sitting here saying like, well, well why haven't they like, you know, I'm done now. Like I'm new. <laughs> like, hello, can't you see that I knew, you know, but you know, the alignment, the kids had an expectation that their husband's wife would, or their dad's wife would be, you know, responsible and, and showing up and not embarrassing them in front of their spouses. And, and that alignment, like she broke their expectation. She broke, you know, no question. and, um, and so just kind of trying to get back. So in that specific situation, what would you recommend for her to do to, you know, when, when you, these people don't even really want to talk to her, you know, but they are in her life. They're her stepchildren. Yeah. So uh, we have a tool that we teach called the Brick Conversation. And it's a strategic framework that we created for being able to have the conversations, the important conversations of your relationships without fighting in a way that moves things forward. Mm. Um, and it's a, it's designed specifically because most of the times when we engage in a conversation with someone, we actually have an agenda in that most of our conversations with people, it's, I need you to see this my way. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm gonna tell you something and it's because I'm gonna convince you that you're not seeing this right. And I'm gonna convince you to see it my way. So you can be like, oh, sure. <laughs> And we're doing that in a lot of the conversations because that's actually what's been modeled to us for generation after generation is to um, try to convince somebody to see it your way, right? Whenever you're unhappy with someone, it's like, well, I wish they could just, if they could just see it my way or if they would just, anytime you're like, if it would just, if anything or anyone would just change, I could be happy. Um, that's that demand-based relationship, which is what we all kind of go into by default until we learn new tools and strategies because that demand-based relationship, which is something that we talk about a lot, it's broken. It does not work today. Um, and so we teach this tool called Brick Conversation. And I'll just go through it real quick if it serves you, yeah, Maddie, and, and how, how people uh, understand this. See, 
whenever you have an uncomfortable thought or an uncomfortable feeling about your spouse, your stepkids, anyone in your life, your relationship, you have two choices. It's imagine you have this cabinet next to you with six shelves. The top three shelves have these beautiful velvet bags filled with brightly colored broken glass. The bottom three shelves have these big, old, dusty, yucky, heavy bricks. Now you have a choice. You have this uncomfortable feeling. You can either ignore the uncomfortable feeling, not talk about it, and take a nice big bag of broken glass and spread it down on the floor of your relationship because you'll be tiptoeing around it for forever. Or you can harness your compassion, harness your truth, open your heart, grab a nice big heavy brick, lay it down on the foundation of your relationship and say what needs to be said. And when you do so, you'll be standing on a brick foundation of that relationship that cannot be knocked down. Now, what most people do over time is we keep spreading broken glass, usually in an effort to try to please the other people around us by not rocking the boat, right? So we we think we're doing the right thing. We're like, hey, that thing really upset me. I'm not going to say anything about it because I don't want to make a scene. I don't want to make them uncomfortable. I'm just going to do the nice thing and let it go as if that's actually a possibility because that's actually not possible in the human condition. Another story for another time. But people try to do the nice thing, not say anything. And we end up in our relationships with just a ton of broken glass of things that have just never been said. And this brick conversation blueprint is a step-by-step framework, not for just going into a conversation like a bull in a china shop and just being like, this is my truth, and if you don't like it, like, you know, that doesn't actually take a ton of skill, and it doesn't actually build an unshakable love either. Um, But when you have a real framework, and our conversation starts out with, Harnessing your compassion for the other person and what they must be feeling and taking personal responsibility for your part. See, what most people skip to is they're trying already to get the other person to see what they see. But you're skipping the most important part of a conversation with another person, which is take personal responsibility. Something like, hey, I just want to own up to the fact that I know I was way out of line the other day. Not only was it that I was out of line the other day and that I I massively disappointed you, but clearly I've stacked up many of these occurrences in the past and you're already, your wound is rubbed raw when it comes to me and my drinking. And this was just one more agitation. I know I've hurt you. I know I disappointed you. And I just could not be more sorry. Is 100% my fault. I take 100% personal responsibility. That doesn't fix anything. I get that. But I just want you to know you have no responsibility to fix this at all. That is 100% on me. And I'm sorry. And I want you to know that you don't have to take my word for it. And please, I know words are cheap. I just want to let you know that it was an awakening for me. So I'm so sorry that this was extremely painful to you, but somehow the universe used that moment to awaken me and I am done. Now, I'm not making any promises to you because those promises would be empty anyway. I'm just letting you know where I am on the spectrum. I'm quite sure I'm going to screw up at some point in some time. I'm sure that everything won't be perfect. However, this is what I'm doing. This is what you can expect from me in the future. But I want to earn back any trust. You don't have to believe me. I don't need you to change. I don't need you to do anything. I just want to let you know where I'm coming from. And I also want to just thank you 
because that I have not been the easiest person to be with. I have not been the easiest person to be related to. And I'm sorry for that huge disappointment. Trust me, I'm more disappointed in myself than you could ever be in me. Um, but I'm working on being a version of myself that I'm really proud of every day. I hope you see that. But if you don't, that's fine because you don't owe me anything. Just want to let you know where I am with things. And thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And so when you frame a conversation from that perspective, it doesn't usually instigate a fight because you're taking personal responsibility. You're not showing up and saying, hey, I stopped drinking. Why are you guys still not talking to me? Right. Right. Why are you going to be like that? Why don't you invite me to stop? I'm not going to drink. That's asking other people to change. Right. Instead of you taking personal responsibility to rebuild that relationship from the ground up and being willing to do the hard work. And you're also not telling people, oh, rose colored glasses, I'm never going to drink again and everything's going to be fine. You're saying this is where I am today. And I'm really confident that what I'm doing is right for me, but I'm not making any promises to you. I'm not asking you to like all of a sudden take out a billboard and say, oh, she's never going to drink again. Everybody be nice to her, whatever it is. It's about taking personal responsibility for you. And that's a vulnerable conversation to have. It's not the easiest conversation to have, but it's the only way this really works. Yeah. Well, and just you saying that, like me envisioning that conversation instead of, you know, you envision this, this situation between these two people and you feel tight and like, oh, there's, this is hopeless. And it just feels so, so small and so tight and so black. And like, just you saying that it was like, oh, it was like open. Like you could see how that could really transform, you know, something so powerfully. Thank you so much for that. That's just beautiful. I think it's, it's so true, you know, just acting with compassion and realizing the only person you can actually change is you. And, you know, you've already done that by honestly stopping drinking or getting back in control of your relationship with alcohol. And now to take that learning in through these relationships. I mean, it's just such a, I, I love it. I love it so much. I have two more questions for you, Stacy. First of all, um, I really want to get into, because I, I think we should we should partner on something. I think my, my people need your, your message so much and need your work so much. So we'll talk about that, you know, after, after we get off, but I'm excited to just continue this because you have so much wisdom and it's just been so brilliant. Um, but secondly, you know, one of the things that strikes me and I think it's important to touch in is we're talking about relationship by design and not being in, in default patterns and all this just kind of seems like, Oh, geez, well, like, where's, where's the emotion? Like, I don't, I don't feel like doing this. I feel like just going and like wringing their neck, you know, like where, how do we, where's the the spark or the love? Like, is it, is it going to feel good if I'm, if I'm using these systems and these blueprints and like, it really appeals to my scientific nature, but then my romantic nature says, well, wait, like, where's the, you know, flowers and starlight? <laughs> so, um, that's awesome. <laughs> Here's the thing, when you show up and the brick conversation we just did is a perfect example. If you were to show up into the brick into your conversation with those kids um, or even your spouse, like you were saying, it felt dark, it felt tight, like there's no hope. That's not very romantic either. Mm. And so when you show up in your relationships by default, using what you know doesn't work to create an unshakable love and an unleashed passion, you already know what you're going to get. It's not magical. It actually deteriorates over time. Um, Long-term relationships, most of them deteriorate over time. If people don't show up differently and learn how to create a magnificent love, that's everything we teach is about creating an unshakable love and an unleashed passion. 
But here's where the romance and everything comes in. And in fact, that's step seven of our eight step system is bringing the fun, um, the romance, the flirting and all of that back into a relationship. You can't demand fun, flowers, romance and all of that out of a relationship. You need to create a relationship where that's fertile ground for that stuff to happen. You're really going to inspire your spouse to be in that type of relationship with you, not from the fighting crap and stuff that's going on right now where you don't feel like you're on the same page. They don't feel like you have their back. You don't feel a rock solid connection where nothing and nobody can come between you. Now that's something that's created. We teach that actually in step four of our eight step system is how to create an unshakable love where nothing and nobody can come between you. When you have that kind of foundation, you inspire all of these smiles and touches and hugs and flowers and all of that because the relationship is ripe for it. And somebody feels supported and feels cherished and appreciated and understood. And then they want to do that. Um, in step three of our course, we teach all these differences between the masculine and the feminine. Right now, we have a huge breakdown in marriages because men and women don't understand the differences between the two and they're constantly expecting their partner to show up like they do and they're constantly baffled and disappointed because no well-behaving woman would ever have said something like that or no guy would ever have those words come out of his mouth and they don't appreciate the differences in their partner. You stack and build that up over time and it leads to a lot of resentment and people just checking out in their marriages because they're so sick of not being understood. They're so tired of the disappointments, feeling like they're the ones doing everything and their partner does nothing. It's only when you truly learn how to see all the differences in your partner and appreciate that actually they're the perfect complement for you and that's why you're supposed to be together. Um, then your partner feels so appreciated and understood in a different level that boom, they show up for you. And that's where we have stories of people who are hanging by a thread on the edge of divorce, pulling their relationship back from the edge. Woo! Universe agrees. And starting new. Um, and we have stories of people who had not had intimacy in their relationship for a year, five years, 10 years, bringing back a spark of passion that had been long gone because it was replaced with so much resentment and hurt and pain. And so you truly have to do the healing work in order to be able to bring out that romance and that spark and that passion. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, no, it makes so much sense. And I think as default humans, we just go into things and, and expect. You know, we just expect the passion. We expect the other people to change. We expect, we expect. And I love, I think another reason that we connected so deeply so early on is because what you're doing in your work flips the known paradigms just on their head, right? It's like everything you're talked about, about getting, a, you know, and, and similarly with what I do in my work, you know, people say, oh, this is true. You know, it must be really hard to stop drinking. You know, it's, it's not with the right tools. You know, it must be really difficult and drudgery to change a marriage. Well, no, it's not with the right tools, you know? And so I just absolutely love that. So Stacy, if somebody's like, okay, like I need more of Stacy, where can they find you? 
Um, well, we, uh, I would absolutely encourage you to go to relationshipbreakthroughsecrets.com because uh, we're doing a two-hour live training. Um, and Annie and I will work on putting something together for you as well. And we'll share that so that you can have that. And you can reach out to us by visiting our website at relationshipdevelopment.org. You can read about our live events, our online programs, um, and however we can help you. That's what we're here to do. And it's so funny that you say, like, you know, turning everything on its head. That's by the same token. So many people think, well, you know, it takes two to fix a marriage and my husband or my wife is just not into it. They won't work on this with me. And that's exactly what our programs and events and all of our work around our eight step system is designed for just one person, just like what you're doing to take control of your drinking, whether it's reduce it or change your relationship with it. Only one person has to do the tools and strategies, needs to learn, gets the opportunity to have, be empowered to transform your relationship. Your partner does not need to participate in this for you to completely get the results you want in your marriage and actually all of your relationships, like we just talked about kids and everything else. Um, once you're empowered with these tools, you show up differently in all of the relationships in your life. You can finally also be the example to your children of what to do instead of being their warning of what not to do. We're very passionate about that. And if we can help you in any way, just reach out to us and let us know. Oh, thank you so much, Stacey. Thank you for coming on. It was always such a pleasure. And you just have so much wisdom that, you know, people need to hear. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word.